1: All right, welcome back to the show. So glad you could join us. A quick shout-out to Altabank Mortgage and Landmark Risk Management and Insurance. I'm very happy to have them as sponsors on the show. So happy, in fact, that for your convenience, I put right them uh, right at the end of my show notes each time. All you have to do is click on one of the little uh, links there. It'll take you directly to them if you're needing a mortgage or a refinance on your mortgage. By the way, interest rate's still stupid low right now, so you may want to jump on that. Contact my friend, John Staples. He's with Bank, He can help you get it done. And if you're looking for uh, that reassurance that you are covered as far as your commercial insurance needs, that sounds a little more complicated than just regular old run-of-the-mill insurance. Talk to my friend Steve Burgess at Landmark Risk Management and Insurance. They specialize in commercial insurance, particularly helping those who need it sort out exactly what they need and what they don't. Super trustworthy guy. Well worth your time to talk to him we've got speaking of super trustworthy well worth the talking talking to guys i have uh, gary welsh joining me hi gary hey
2: brian and on behalf of all the wrong thinkers of america we salute you by the way i've had a couple of people ask me
1: and i thought i would bounce this off you they're like uh you gonna be able to keep that wrong think motto (laughs) i thought if if not for a time such as this when would you want when would you have one
2: Oh, yeah, if they're coming after you, they're coming after you, Brian. You could call yourself yep. you know the 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 liberal states of America. they're <laughs> still that ain't going to save you
1: no i but at the risk of sounding self serving, that's why this program and others like it exist because the need for wrong think the need to the need to depart from the approved official narrative that you must believe, I don't think it's ever been stronger. And we got we got a lot to tackle today. Any particular place you would like to start?
2: Oh man, <laughs> that there is so much to start. But um, I guess let's start with just that narrative—the narrative of these capital riots and and how this is being streamed by both the corporations and the news media. Um, and we could start by—I know you, your audience is pretty familiar with it, but just for our conversation. What do you think's going on? I don't know, but this much is very clear to me.
1: The people in power in Washington, D.C., and I'm talking the ones who really hold power, are scared out of their pants. They are terrified. And I don't know why, but, but I see what they're doing. And I think that is not the behavior of rational people who feel like they are in control of their lives. They're, they are acting preemptively. I think they're acting out of fear. And so the question in my mind is, what on earth could be behind the scenes that could cause that kind of panic?
2: And I'm my most disturbing concern, well, let me back this up. Up until this week, I've always been very confident this will turn out okay and that we didn't have to be, uh, you know, that there were people out there, Yo, you're just worry, worrisome, and you're that one of those people that's scary early and all that other stuff. This week, I started saying, huh, I wonder if it's time for me to start being scared. And I've never felt that way before, but I've, I've honestly felt. And, and let me kind of go down a history road with you, and this is okay. why – I'm feeling this way. You know, we often – you often, you will hear these people say, if you were a Jew in 1930s Germany, why didn't you get out of there? All the signs were there. Everything was there, the, the rhetoric and all that. Why didn't you get out of there? And the answer is that most people don't understand is they always said we could fix it. Yeah. They'll never do this. They'll never go that far. They'll never – take these kinds of actions. Yeah, the Nazis are bad. Yes, the brown shirts are bad. But the people themselves, we know these people. This is our homeland. They're like us. They'll never go that far. And yet all the signs are there. And what bothers me is I'm seeing the exact same signs as we are, not as in Nazi Germany and what the Nazis were doing. But they're aiming at me. And that bothers me.
1: I want to springboard off something you've said here about why didn't the German people recognize what was going on, um, and I want to invoke a book that I have recommended many times for my listeners. I'm going to suggest again. You better be brave though if you want to tackle this book. It's called "They Thought They Were Free." It's by Milton Meyer, and it it covers how German people thought between the years 1933 to 1945. Here's the thing, okay? because some people get upset. In fact, I've seen people absolutely bristle. How dare you compare us to the Nazi regime? You don't have to to look around and see people goose stepping around outside to understand that we are headed in a very dangerous direction. And the thing that Milton Meyer pointed out is he interviewed all these people who had been present to see that transition from the Weimar Republic into the Third Reich. He says, every one of them who did notice that something was wrong, and it was a lot more than you would think, felt like it was not the right time to speak up. In fact, they all held this, this belief that in the back of their minds, something's going to happen, and it's going to be big enough that everybody will recognize this is not a good thing, and we'll all stand up at once. There's going to be one big jolt, and everybody will come to their senses and put an end to this nonsense. But the jolt never comes. That is the great lesson that is before us right now. And and when each little encroachment, you know, gives way to another one, if you didn't protest the one before, well, why are you protesting now? It, you know, that tyranny comes in on cat's feet, although I would say within the last few days, Gary, um, those cat's feet have turned into elephant feet.
2: And I wouldn't say that I'm necessarily comparing them to the Nazis, Because this has been done in every socialist regime ever done. But they've all turned out bad. And I will say, yes, you are socialist. You are pushing for a socialist agenda. And you're following the socialist protocols, which is, here's how we escalated. Here are the things we do. Here's how we create the violence. This is how we intimidate. You are doing all of those things. And now you took that next step, which is, now we are going to control the message, we are going to control the thoughts. We are going to control the speech. That's a big step, by the way. That That is a big, big step to we are now in control. You took that step. So I have every right to compare you to all of those previous socialist regimes that have been out there that did the exact same things that you're doing now.
1: Yeah. And, and people need to understand just because someone invokes, hey, this is sounding like something the Nazis did, doesn't mean it's a direct comparison to the Nazis. It's simply pointing out. That we are moving in a similar direction or we are adopting similar mindsets such as those that allowed the Nazis to come to power or Pol Pot or Mao or Stalin or Lenin, you know, whatever the case may be. We just don't want to make the same mistakes and and getting people to recognize this. Well, I don't know, Gary, it's tough in it's tough in good times, but at, at a time where half the population seriously believes the other half is certifiably crazy. I don't don't see, you know, how we're going to talk this one out.
2: Well, and that's the big concern. This is where my concerns are coming from, because, you know, we're going there. All of us, I think, are agreed in that we are not going to allow that to happen. That is that is not a possibility in this country. Talk we to, will not allow that to happen. Talk to me
1: about uh, the official narrative, and I'm, I I only mean this partly. Like uh, you know, in quotation, marks, official narrative. No, I'm seeing a push for where there is a narrative that we are being told you have to subscribe to this, and that is there that any claim that there was any fraud associated with the 2020 election is baseless. To the point that uh, Sirius Media actually said we'll we'll fire any of our on air personalities who say anything about there being a question about whether or not this was a legitimate election.
2: And this is so stupid. I mean, th- the, this is where I get, like, with what I'm trying to go with. They are going to the point of being absurd. This is total absurdity that they are preaching, and they know it. And the question comes, why are you preaching this narrative? and that is that there was no fraud. I looked on six different reliable mainstream news sources, and all of them said, yes, fraud occurs, but it's one or two votes. It's it's these onesies, twosies, only one individual. There has never been an election that I've been aware of in my lifetime where I've been involved in politics. Even on statewide levels, I've been very involved in state politics where there's literally thousands of fraudulent votes every election this has been the mainstay in those states that do things like mail-in ballots and stuff like that they have it even worse so to say now oh no this election was totally different from all the rest uh sorry guys that does not fly
1: yeah human nature was not magically suspended for this particular election if we were ever suspicious before hint hint 2016 we should be suspicious now the question is, can we suss it out? Can we actually can we actually take a look at the evidence and, and assess it? I'm willing to accept, you know, what a good, honest investigation reveals. But they won't let us have the investigation. Nope. You believe what you're told. No, that's not going to yep. cut it. All right. We've got to take a break. We'll be back in just a moment.
0: This is The Brian Hyde Show. This is The Brian Hyde
1: Show. All right, welcome back to the show. Gary Welch is my guest. As we indicated at the beginning of uh, this hour, we have a lot to cover. And uh, Gary, I, I wanted to, to start to... Let's go back to to last week. Let's talk a little bit about uh, Trump is being accused of inciting violence. And, and he to, to say that he has been dropped like a hot potato would be understating it. Um, what are your thoughts on what happened at the Capitol? Um, how much truth is there in the narrative that this was this violent, Trump-inspired or Trump-incited kind of reaction to people who were just angry over an election? What... Uh, would you challenge that narrative or are there some things that they got right?
2: I would absolutely challenge the narrative. I do. I do believe that Trump did not condemn the the attacks as quickly as he should have. It's not that I don't believe. Well, I guess even there's a part of me again. I want to state this so everybody knows I am not a Trump fan, not in the least. But what I see happening to him, I'm very much opposed to, and I'm starting to become a Trump supporter simply because the other guys are doing things that I do not like against him. So, um, you know, the enemy of my enemy is my friend type of scenario. So with that, I thought he, he kind of screwed up on the The whole approach to instantly condemning it in today's political world, you got to do it within 15 seconds or they come after you. Unless, of course, you're a Democrat, then you don't have to do it at all and you're safe. But I thought he should have done that. But nothing I have heard him say rises to the level that I thought that said to do that. There's a a gentleman that um, that I follow that I like. He's not really well known um, except for here in Utah where me and Brian are um, Tim Alders. Uh, he was he was a talk show yeah yeah radio I know too. host and ran for he ran ran against Mitt Romney. He was there, and he put out a YouTube video, and he talked about Trump. Got up, they were all under the impression that they were supposed to be peaceful, that he wanted a peaceful, and he said it three times: "We're going to do this peacefully." They were all in that mode. He says as they went up to the Capitol and as they got closer, they saw ladders and sledgehammers placed out on the field. Really?
1: How interesting. How convenient. (laughs) Right. I wonder who who would use such things and for what purposes.
2: Right. And so when you hear these stories from someone who is there, now everybody would discount and they'll say, no, he's a Trump supporter. Um, He's making this all up. But we're getting multiple stories about things like that. And it's like, no, we were all peaceful. We were all I don't do. There was just a couple of agitators. Now, whether they're Trump supporters or not, it doesn't matter. And I think we, you know, we're making a big deal about that. Of no, they're Antifa. They gotta be Antifa. No, they very well could be some Trump supporters because I can absolutely see conservatives and Trump supporters and some of these extremists and militia types getting so angry that they feel like they have to do violence. Not that I'm saying it's right, and I'm not doing that excuse thing that all the other liberals did with the BLM. I'm saying it's absolutely wrong. But I do believe that there could be Trump supporters out there and conservatives and and liberty rights folks who were angry enough that they felt like they wanted to take violence. They felt like the time has come to create violence I still think they're out there and I still think that they're going to escalate despite what everybody's trying to talk them out. I was listening to Glenn Black this morning trying to talk these guys out of this armed march this weekend. Yeah. Sorry, Glenn. I think these guys are ready for a fight.
1: That's the thing that concerns me. And, you know, I've I've been to many, many different protests where there were armed protesters never felt uh, the slight bit of uh, the slightest bit of danger, even if there was lots of cops around still. You know, there's there's just something about there. An armed society is a polite society. However, (laughs) I'm going to qualify what I've just said with um, I don't think it would be a good idea to go out in public. Knowing that you are 100 percent guaranteed to encounter other armed individuals who just happen to have a giant freaking chip on their shoulder and want to fight you. I'm just suggesting that maybe that's not the best idea. Given the current climate. And for those who say, well, that's just running, that's tuck and tail and run. No, that's being strategic. That's making sure you're not fighting a battle on a place of your enemy's choosing. Because I, I I don't know, Gary, maybe I'm being a pessimist when I say this, but I think that um, given what we saw and, and I, I have serious doubts that this was all, you know, organic Trump supporters. I think that there were probably agitators. There were there were possibly, you know, federal informants. We know that the feds have a, an army of inf- infiltrators and informers and provocateurs that go out and, and gather information on people and sometimes push people to do things so that they have a reason to go after them. Um, I am just convinced that you're going to encounter that kind of people this weekend at these armed state capitol protests. And I'm thinking that uh, what they want is a reaction. The smart move would be do not give them the reaction. Your thoughts.
2: Well, that's the whole thing. It only takes a small, small, even if one person. Is there if you have a and, and this is like the case with the capital riots, the, out of the thousands and thousands were there we 're really talking about a very, very small minority it 's less than one percent of the total group there that were doing these things that were the rest of them ninety nine point nine percent of them left they knew what was going on, and they said we 're not having any part of this, and left and you and I, if you remember we we did a show about that. And and talking about that with the BLM, that is the thing to do. You see this going down, you say you leave. The difference is, in the BLMs, they all joined in with the rioters and made it a couple of thousand. In this case, it never got beyond a couple of hundred. But my point is, you will always have those one or two. Then they may be conservatives. They may be people that are on our side, that they are liberty-based individuals. But they're just idiots or radical going to be idiots. Right. Well, they're idiots. If, you, if you're taking okay. a gun to a to a peaceful protest, you're an idiot. That's all there is to it. I, I mean, maybe I shouldn't say that. So come after me.
1: Well, no, I look last uh, January 20th in uh, Virginia. Remember, with with all the new gun control laws that their legislature was promising to pass, Governor Northam was like, we're going to clamp down on this. We're going to ban this. We're going to do all this. So the Virginia Second Amendment community. Got together, and about i don 't know thirty thousand maybe fifty thousand of these guys did an armed protest right there at the state capitol and it was tense i I found myself praying for these individuals, praying that there would be you know calmness and that people would be able to convey their message to their uh, you know to the the members of their legislature there, and that that it wouldn 't go sideways and and it went beautifully and I, I point this out only because Law enforcement is being fed this notion that the guys who want to show up and I'm talking about, you know, the three percenters or what what the media is calling the boogaloo boys. Um, I had a friend who's in law enforcement contact me today and ask me, what what's the deal with these guys? They don't they don't agree in any political philosophy uh, or agree with any political philosophy. They, They want to see a civil war start. They want to see a collapse come. They just want to get it over with. And right. and I thought, well, that's a distortion. This sounds like the Southern Poverty Law Center has been feeding that information to the police. What you're going to find is most of the people, and I've seen a lot of them right there at the Utah State Capitol, who've showed up armed. They are just simply good, freedom-loving people who want to send a message that there are natural rights, among them the right to self-defense, which we will not allow to be denied. And that peaceful show of force, that peaceful demonstration of, I have my firearm I will, you know, continue to claim the right to have it and carry it and keep it. You know, I, I think it can be done, and and I've seen it done in in a way that was not threatening at all. Um, Virginia is probably the tensest one of all because their governor really tried to ramp up the police state, but uh, but it went beautifully. I don't think the prospect of things going so smoothly are going to happen after this many months of riots and as as entrenched as Antifa has become in virtually any city of any size. So we got it,
2: and, and that's that's the factor.
1: Okay, we're, when we come back, we've got some more specifics to talk about. One of the things I want to ask you, Gary, just because I like to ask you stuff like this, is the Republican Party dead? I can't wait to hear your answer. All right, we'll be back in just a moment.
0: This is The Brian Hyde Show. This is The Brian Hyde Show.
1: And once again, we are back. Gary Welch is my guest. So, Gary, as we went to break, I asked you the question Is the Republican Party dead? Your answer.
2: I felt that the Republican Party died some time ago. Um, we're just now officially declaring it dead, but yeah, it's dead. It, it cannot recover from this, and rightfully so. It deserves to die. It has it has abused its members. It is not held to its principles and platforms. It has betrayed those. Um, I've talked to many, many individuals that have tried to reform the party and rightfully so. I, I get what they're going at and I, I get what they're trying to do, that this is our best opportunity to achieve our goals. But they have been felt, you know, for a long time now this has been building that they have felt so betrayed by their own party. And now to see the stalwarts like like, you know, Ted Cruz and Marco Rubio coming out and saying, Yeah, we're you know, you guys didn't figure this out before I did. But, you know, these guys are staunch Republicans. They've kissed the ring. And now that they're coming out and saying, yeah, let's just throw this guy out. And this whole thing was OK. They're starting to look at it and go, wow, this whole party is corrupt. And that's the whole thing. The Republican Party is thoroughly and totally corrupt from the top down I, I, I always have thought that the the people on the lower level, the members of themselves, were very good, righteous people who are trying to do the right thing. But there is not a single state chair organization, a state executive committee or a national committee in the Republican Party that is not thoroughly and totally corrupt. And when you have corrupt organizations, there's nothing you can do. You can't reform it. You gotta get rid of it.
1: Okay. Let's go back to, uh, let's talk about the um, the prospect of banning free speech. And, and I'm just going to ask you, private corporations. I'm, look, I Look, I run pretty libertarian in my thinking, and I can't argue with the fact that, yeah, these are private businesses, but it seems like those private businesses at some level have aligned their goals with uh, certain people in big government. What are your
2: thoughts? So... I don't take a total libertarian view and I don't take a strict kind of socialist type of view. My feelings are that if you are a company that offers vital services, so like a supermarket or a gas station, or in this case, you are the controller of, of our, our vehicles for speech. If you think about how our society is now formed, The way we talk to each other is through social media. The old standards when you and I were young, where we would get together and have meetings and groups and talks as individuals, that is no longer happening. And it hasn't happened for years now. Our main medium of communication now is social media. And if you use your power as a social media company to stop that, it would be the same as if you were a grocery store and you said, okay, I'm going to deny all conservatives the ability to buy groceries. Or if you were a gas station, I'm going to deny conservatives the ability to buy gas. I feel that that is wrong on such a big level that the government has the right to step in at this point and say you cannot do that.
1: Yeah, it's it's frustrating, but I think the most frustrating part comes from, well, you know, People who were saying, I'm tired of the censorship on Facebook, or I don't like how Twitter is handling, you know, the way it, they tend to favor a certain political point of view over others. Well, then go make your own. Somebody did. And now we find out, oh, but we, we can screw with that if we want to as well. Someone seems very determined to, to show us that uh, they can exert control over our lives, or at least uh, the free flow of information in our, in our lives, if they choose. And... I'd like to talk about maybe some solutions or alternatives that, that are still at our disposal, you know, if, if in fact that's what we're seeing in this flex.
2: So, yeah, absolutely. So Twitter is nothing. You know, this is the funny part about this. Donald Trump saved Twitter. It was on its way out. It was dead as a medium. And Donald Trump, by using it, saved them. But understand this. They were the test case. And that is, if we can get away with it, the rest of you can do it. They did it. They got away with it. They got support from the main media. They got support from the government. They got support all around. And now the others are going to join suit. Now we're seeing Google, we're seeing Facebook, and all these people join suit. So recognize that this is a flexing of the muscle. This is a public announcement that we control things, and you can do nothing about it. This is what scares me. They're coming out in the open. Like I said, I don't know if we were talking about this before the show started. The Japanese did not attack Pearl Harbor until they were ready to attack Pearl Harbor and declare war. Now, it didn't turn out good for them, and it won't turn out good for these guys. But the act itself was they flexing their muscles, saying, we're ready for open warfare. To me, this is their declaration. We are ready for open warfare. We are ready to fight you guys publicly and openly. And we now feel like we control enough that we can do it. And so you said you want to talk about solutions. Let's talk about solutions. If you want to fight this, you cannot fight this nationally. Do not think you're going to fight this on a national platform. If we're going to fight this, where we got to do is take back our cities. We've got to fight this locally. And you and I have talked about this before as a strategy for winning this war. We don't have atom bombs. We don't have these big old destructive pieces like they do. They have political atomic weapons right now, weapons of mass destruction and that they've controlled the schools. They control the media. They control government. Now we can't fight them that way. What we got to do is fight them where we can control things. And that's in our local communities, Start working on your local communities. Get your cities to put in people in place in your city governments. Put people in place in your county governments, and then start the war of of I, I want I don't want to say insurrection, but nullification. Let's start the war of nullification of just simply saying no, you don't.
1: Yeah. I, you know, I think we, we probably touched on this before, but uh, I would much rather see a peaceful separation, even if that involves, you know, secession and, and people, you know, basically one state going its own way, rather than, uh, no, nope, by force, we're going to compel you all to remain. I want to see this uh, come to some kind of a, a peaceful solution, but we're, we're living in two different realities. Right. And, and, and I don't see they're not going to leave us alone. To to put it plainly, we will not be left alone to live our lives as we choose. And that's uh, that's unacceptable, which unfortunately is going to be translated to some people as, oh, so you want to go out and and harm other people? Not at all. But I'm not going to stand by and watch, you know, the people I love and the things that I love be harmed and destroyed either.
2: But this is very important, Brian, if we do not all offer a alternative the only art this is what they felt in the Civil War, and going back to history again, learn from history. history will tell you everything and and the problem with the Civil War was the south it wasn 't the majority, even it was just a small, prominent group that felt like they had no alternative, and in fact which they did, but they felt like they didn 't and we need to offer that peaceful alternative, which is what i 'm stating is. We can win. We can work this out. We can do this peacefully. But it involves for us to take city by city, county by county, going out there and winning those elections and having influence there, and then just simply using a simple word, no, we're not going to do that. We don't fear you anymore. We don't need you anymore. We'll handle it ourselves. Thank you very much. There's nothing they can do about it.
1: Okay. Now, we've only got a minute before we have to break, but maybe we can touch on this in in the next segment. Right now, dissent is being shut down. And I don't just mean, you know, through the deplatforming and pulling the plug on certain social media. I mean, even with good leaders who are in place. It's so radioactive. It's so toxic. You know why? If you're not if you're not absolutely in lockstep with us, then uh, by definition, you know, you're trying to destroy us. I mean, look at how many Republicans have have just, you know, thrown their hands in the air and, you know, said, sorry, Trump, (laughs) you're on your own. They've made him radioactive.
2: This is going to get me in trouble. But the reason for that is you think the Republican Party is the solution. I'm sorry, guys. The Republican Party is the problem.
1: No, I, I would agree. But but that doesn't mean. And again, I'm just for the sake of people. Well, you think the Democrats are. I don't think that's what Gary's saying. I think that uh, we we have we have two parties that are just about to officially become one party. Maybe just maybe this is the moment where something viable as an alternative begins to emerge. We can hope, right? All right. We'll take a quick break. We'll be back right after this.
0: This is The Brian Hyde Show. This is The Brian Hyde Show.
1: And we are back. This is the final segment this hour. My friend Gary Welch joins me, my fellow wrong thinker. Gary, I'm trying to I'm trying to keep a very positive attitude, but it's hard. (laughs) Please tell me I'm not the only one who's struggling to see what's the bright side of all the things that I'm seeing happening right now. Because in the back of my mind is this little voice saying, hey, relax, kid. It was a great country while it lasted.
2: (laughs) Yeah, it, it is. We really are in a crisis and with all crises, they can go very bad, very quickly. And and as I talked about earlier, I don't think that those that are starting to push this narrative of we're going to control the speech, we're going to control the thought, we're going to control the messaging, we're going to control the government. I don't think it's going to go the way you guys think it's going to go. And you're pushing this agenda because you think you're going to win just like the Japanese thought they were going to win. When in fact, on the day that they attacked Pearl Harbor, they already lost the war. You know, True. it's just that simple. It's the same thing. You will lose this war. You you cannot win. There's just too much on our side for you to win. But the problem would be that they think they can, and then they instigate the war because they feel like it. And this has been the most troubling thing about this is they're so confident that they're becoming public. They're becoming absurd. They're becoming venomous. You know, the whole impeachment thing has nothing, why impeach the guy, right? What is in that? Nothing more than we can and we want to because we hate him, and so we're going to do it. Well, that shows you what your motivations are, what your intentions are, but more importantly, it shows what that you're openly coming out and saying, this is war, we are declaring it, and we're moving forward. And all it takes is something on the weekend of people starting to shoot each other and this thing can escalate out of control before we can stop it. And the, and the the thing would be, do we have enough in place that we can put some alternative in there? Or does this turn into Fort Sumter?
1: No, that's I, I think it's a fair comparison. Ah, so let's talk about it. Let's talk about how how to how to bring people together at a time when everything is is. Combined to try to to polarize them and force them as far apart as possible. Is there a middle ground where left and right are going to be able to find some place?
2: No, we've always been polar opposites. We always will. What we've got to do is in the extremism and find a place that we can resolve our differences peacefully. We can resolve our differences openly. That's the big thing. I believe in a healthy argument. I believe in a healthy government should have two opposing sides with different viewpoints and those viewpoints expressed differently. I would not agree with you, even you and I. There are things that you and I maybe even strongly disagree upon. But I I need you to have that ability to tell me I'm wrong because I just may be wrong. And we've seen this over and over again. And it requires that healthy, open Discussion that we can have, and we must be able to have that. And I think part of the problem is those of us that would call ourselves as libertarians, conservatives, and those who are fighting for constitutional rights and whatnot, we do not have a voice. The Republican Party is not our voice, and we need a voice. We need to have an organization, a party. I say it's a political party. You uh, you can disagree with me on that. But I'm sitting there saying, we need a political party. I don't care what that party is, but we need a political party that's going to stand up for us, that we can all get behind, that we can all get with and start making these changes to our government and to these institutions so that we can have that that ability to say our voice is going to be heard.
1: Yeah, I reluctantly have to agree that uh, if you are looking to organize and focus Purpose, political parties can be a very good place to make that happen. Now, I'm sure there are other organizations as well, but um, I'm just I'm I'm so tired of the political class. I'm tired of uh, I'm tired of so many issues having become framed in purely political terms. It seems like that's what turns it into a, a power struggle each and every time. And so it's I think the the struggle you and I have talked about this before is combining principle. To where you, you can actually have principle and, and yet not totally give up your, your concerns about uh, obtaining power. Parties are about obtaining power. But sometimes I think it becomes all about that.
2: Right. Political thought is, is a, a thing in ideology. Political action is a, is a whole thing of effectiveness. Can you be effective? You can sit around, and, and you, can, I, you and I can be these great political thinkers where we'll think these great, magnificent thoughts about free enterprise and liberty and a democratic society and a utopia and all that other stuff, but without the ability to actually implement those ideas and make them happen, it's just talk. And then uh, every third party that I've seen, guess what, guys? You're just talk. That's all you are. You're just talk. Hey, talking's over. They showed us the talking's over. And they're, and they're going to say, yeah, and we're going to take that away from you, too. It's time to act. And you need a political party to act. How, tell me how else can you get people elected to office without a political party? You need money. You need volunteers. You need organization. You need marketing. You need all of these things. That requires an organization to happen. And that is a political party. So without a political party, hey, your talk. And it's got to be effective political party too. That's the other thing. You gotta, you gotta be successful, guys. If you're not successful, give it up. Find something that is. Whether that's the Patriot Party, whatever parties out there, I don't care. Just do it. You know, the United America Party. I'm a big part of that. Let's do something. I don't care what, but let's do something. Let's save our country. The
1: the problem that I'm seeing with the current uh, parties, as it were, is that uh, the the rules only apply. In in one direction. In other words, the rules really aren't binding. There's no fairness to many of the rules. And I'm talking not just, you know, the, the rules by which political parties operate. I'm talking about the, the rules by which society operates. For some, it's a shield. For others, it's it's a, a club that's used to, to bring them into submission. And I'd, I'd like to see what it would take to, to um, narrow the distance between our government and the people. Because the gap is getting to the point now where, you know, we've, we find ourselves where, where they see any questioning of the, the official narrative. Was this an honest election? No, I don't think so. <gasps> you want to destroy democracy? You know, I mean, they, they see it as an existential threat. There's got to be a better way. I wish I had the answers. I mean, I'm willing to explore. I'm willing to examine it all. But I, I'm just convinced that the people right now who are in power have done they've brought nothing to the table that, that gives me confidence that, oh, yeah, they'll get it right. They'll get it eventually. Just be patient.
2: Well, that's always been my one big thing that I've always discussed in that the one thing that is absolutely required is we have to establish accountability and integrity for our politicians. That has been missing. There is no accountability. There is no integrity. And that is a function of the political party. That political party has to be the instrument for establishing that accountability and that integrity with our politician. And everybody laughs at that and is like, well, you got to be joking integrity and honesty out of our politician. And I always say, well, absolutely. I think it's insane not to. It's absolutely ridiculous not to. We should demand that and we should enforce it and say, yes, you will. They won't do it willingly. It's a game of power to them. But we can, we can make them accountable, and you got to start there. If you don't start there, everything else is useless. So I don't care about your principles; it's not going to work.
1: All right, we're down to just a little over a minute left. Um, you mentioned was it United America Party?
2: One of them that 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 that's yeah. obviously the one that I'm very much believing in because they espouse that. But um, here's my I, I might get in trouble with my own people for saying this. I don't care. I really don't.
1: (laughs) That's how I know he's sincere (laughs)
2: because he doesn't care. (laughs) Just do it. I don't care what name you put on it. Let's just put take go to look into the United American Party. See the principles they stand for. See the accountability and things that they're going to put in place. Put that in any other party. Call it any other name. I'm good. I'm with you. I'm on board. I'm joining you and I'm going with that. But let's just do something other than. Oh, depend upon Republicans or let's just talk about it
1: yeah I think the days of outsourcing solutions um, if it's not over it should be really close to being over Um, you can't sit this out you can't hide from it you you know you're going to be forced to pick a side at some point the right side is is, you know is not that hard to discern you just have to put away the fear Gary thanks so much for uh, joining me today
2: awesome as always i enjoyed it
1: all right we'll have show notes at the brian hyde show.com please subscribe to the podcast consider becoming a monthly donor and thanks again for joining us
0: this is the brian hyde show